This series was birthed out of a conversation that I had with Lisa back in January. And she said, you know, I know that it's between you and the Lord, but she said it would really be great if, you know, you would preach on grace sometimes. And just so that you know, I, I don't let, you know, suggestions, you know, fall on deaf ears. I, I go to the Lord with it. I go to the Word with it. And if it blossoms into a message, great. You know, if it doesn't, it doesn't mean that I'm ignoring you. I'm just trying to listen to the Lord. And um, this message was birthed out of that. And the more that I've been thinking on this message and the more that I've been dwelling on this message, the more critical I really believe it is for our church. And I believe grace should be preached at every church in a biblical and a healthy way. And that's exactly what we're going to do. And we're going to look at everything from what biblical grace is to what biblical grace is not and some of the abuses of hyper grace that are going on today. And it's a popular message and it really caters to you. Um, I've, I've always been leery of a message that caters to me. But if you don't get the message of grace, then it's going to be very, very difficult for you to step out in boldness. If you don't get the message of grace, it's going to be very, very difficult for you to prophesy and for you to speak life and for you to encourage and for you to exhort if you don't get the message of grace. And so you must get it. For by grace you've been saved and not of yourselves. It's not of any gift. It's not of any works, lest you can boast. And so your salvation is rooted in in grace. And we're going to look today at how our growth is rooted in in grace and and get this and I'm praying that this would take you from elementary teachings to spur you to mature spiritual growth and so stand with me in honor of God's word and we're going to begin in Romans chapter 4 and I'm going to read Romans 4:20 I'm going to start there If you're there, say amen. I'm going to dip into the New Living Translation and the New King James Version this morning. I think even some ESV this morning. It says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. So it brings God glory when your faith grows stronger through the most difficult times. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was, for, it was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will count us righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. Therefore, since we have been made right In God's sight, by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege, your Bible might say grace, where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Father in heaven, thank you for your grace in which we now stand confidently and joyfully standing in your grace we are, O God. Father, reveal what your grace truly is, what it's truly all about. Reveal, Father God, this morning how your grace works and how it is working. Because even when we don't see it, you're working. Even when we don't feel it, you're working. 
You're always working. You never stop. And so, Father, thank you that we've worshipped and we've, we've sang unto you, Lord God, from our hearts. And now, Father, now that our hearts are open, may we receive your word with all our heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. You can be seated. I want to recommend a book if you're a reader, even if you're not a reader, this would be a book that you should read. It is The Grace Controversy by Dr. Michael Brown. I'm so excited that Dr. Michael Brown is going to be at the Arise Shine Conference this year in May at Radiant Church. Dr. Michael Brown is amazing. And uh, he, uh, I love him because he's not just a, a, a brilliant uh, espouser of God's word, but he is a life that was changed. I mean, he was just this, you know, hard rocking, drugging, you know, Jew in a rock band. And now God is using him in an amazing, amazing ways. And he is, I love him because when he confronts something, he has no problem going and meeting with Joseph Prince and talking to him about the differences that they have on grace. But Dr. Michael Brown's book, The Grace Controversy, is probably the best book I know of right now on the subject, the topic of grace. And he writes it by answering questions that people would struggle with concerning grace the most. And so get it, it's a great read. It's not so deep and so profound that you can't understand it. You know, even though he's a doctor, he writes in very, very plain terms and very, very easily to grasp terms. So please, please get the book. In his book, Dr. Brown says this as far as offering us a definition of grace, the grace of God. He describes the grace of God as his merciful, enabling help, his ongoing empowerment, his continued working on our behalf. It speaks of the Lord's past, present and future action, expressing what Jesus does for us and not just what he did for us. I love that. If there's anything I want you to grasp and understand is to see that the grace of God is so much more than just God's unmerited favor. It's so much more than that. Many get caught, they get trapped there. Yes, what Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection did for us is awesome. But if you think that God is no longer working in you by his grace, then you'll beat yourself up over and over and over again for not having enough faith. If you think that God is no longer working in you by his grace, then you are going to be forever evaluating yourself on your performance, and your Christianity will be reduced to a performance instead of a faith in the work of grace that's happening and working in you and taking place in you. And we beat ourselves up so much as if God's not working or if he took a day off or he's always working. I love that we sang that this morning. I thought, thank you, Lord, that you put the song on Corbin's heart this morning. It just confirmed everything that God has put in my heart to share today. It isn't based on what you see. It's not based on what you feel. God's working. Whether you realize it or not, whether you're cooperating with him or not, he's working in you for his good pleasure, not for yours, and I think that might be the trap. We, we, we are basing our, our Christianity on our performance, but oftentimes it's for our good pleasure. When you realize that God is working in you for his good pleasure, then there's a freedom and there's a liberty there, and you understand that God knows what he's working with. He knows who you are. He's not shocked by your struggles and your weaknesses and your flaws. 
God knows what he's working with. You need to get over you so that you can get on with what God has for you. God, it's good preaching. I really need to hear that. So if you think that God's no longer working in you, then you don't understand his grace. Because that's exactly what grace is. Grace isn't a once and for all any more than I believe salvation is a once and for all. I believe salvation is an ongoing work, and I believe grace is an ongoing work. I don't believe that, you know, you, you just get saved, then it's finished. No, 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 you get saved, then it's the beginning. I think of scriptures like Philippians 1.6, and I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it. Everything about Scripture screams in the New Testament that God's grace is an ongoing work. It's an ongoing work. That we are being saved. There is, and Dr. Brown will talk about it in his book, there is this this theme that you're going to find in Scripture and in the work that God's doing in you that is, is not yet. And yet, yes, the, the kingdom of God is, you bet, here and then not yet. There's, there's this work that is taking place and we sense it and we feel it and we're, and we're being led by the Holy Spirit. But then there's this work that's not yet fully completed yet. The kingdom is now, but then not yet. There, there's this constant going on in our walk with God. We know in part, but then we're going to see face to face. The kingdom of God is here, but then it's not yet fully realized either. And there's this constant. There's this constant. It's a very subtle but key um, and a critical truth that you, you have to grasp that God is working in you. If you don't get that, then your spiritual growth won't be healthy because you won't grasp the ongoing work that's taking place. And it's going to be difficult for you to believe, God, where are you? Where, where are you right now? Where are you in this? I'm working is what God's saying. I'm working. What are you doing? Are you cooperating with what I'm doing? Are you cooperating with the work of grace that's taking place in you right now? Or are you fighting it? Or are you going against it? Are you working with God or working against God? Are you upset that God isn't responding the way that you want him to? Why don't you ask God what he thinks about your response to him? Are we working with him or working against him? So go to Hebrews 4, and I want to encourage you with some scriptures. And this message is going to be strong, but it's going to be encouraging. It's going to build you up. It's not going to tear you down. I don't want you to, to be thinking, oh, I've just been so off in my thinking, or I've been maybe more so realizing that, oh, that's so encouraging to know that God's working. It's so encouraging to know that, that there's a work taking place in me, even when I don't always discern it. I, I so struggle with some of the, the faith message today because it can almost be a cop-out, as if, you, know, as if you, you have faith, you don't have to work anymore. If you have faith, you don't have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You don't have to be cooperating with the work that God's doing in you. Um, I, 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 I just struggle with that. And I'm not ripping on it. It's helped a lot of people, but I just struggle with a once and for all done kind of deal. And man, as long as you got flesh, you're working. Homeboy, homegirl, you're working as long as you got flesh. And we got work to do. 
We got work to do. Look at Hebrews 4. Look at 16. I don't think I'm going to read the verses leading up to it. No. Look at 16. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. I love the New Living. Other versions will say throne of grace. There, there we will receive his mercy. We'll find grace to help us when we need it most. Okay, now think with me. God's throne is a throne of grace. <clears throat> and our God is a gracious God. His throne is a throne of grace. That's what scripture says. And we can, abo- and we can boldly approach his throne of grace for help. In fact... If you go to the book of James, just a little to the right of where you are, James chapter 4, I want to show you something else about grace. Look at James 4, verse 6. And it says, and he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. Your version might say, and he gives more grace. So, so think with me. If the grace of God wasn't an ongoing empowerment, then why would Scripture say that we can obtain grace in a time of need and that God gives more grace? Why would it say that? If we just got all the grace that we ever needed, if at salvation we got all the the grace that God was ever going to give, that's not consistent with Scripture. Consistent with Scripture is that God's throne is a throne of grace that we can boldly approach to obtain grace in a time of need and that God gives more and more and more grace. And the key to obtaining more grace is humility. And if you've ever been through a period in your life where you've been humbled, you know exactly what it means to obtain more grace. God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. And when it says God opposes the proud, it means he is in opposition to the prideful. He wants to, but he can't. He stands opposed to your pride. That's why your greatest breakthroughs as a believer in Jesus are going to come as you humble yourself. And you choose to humble yourself. And then, because God's so good and he's so gracious, he may allow certain circumstances to break you and to humble you. The Bible says that you can fall on the rock and be broken or the rock can fall on you and be crushed. I believe you have a choice to humble yourself before God so that you can obtain more grace. If you're going through a difficult time, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. He'll lift you up. He'll lift you up. seems like we're always wanting something from God instead of doing what we need to obtain from God, who's generous. He's generous. He gives generously. He gives grace generously. He gives more and more grace. He's not withholding. You're withholding. He's not keeping himself. He's not keeping grace from you. You're keeping grace from you. Humble yourself. When was the last time you lifted your hands in worship? God in your knees. Well, Pastor John, that's just an outward thing. You're humbling yourself. You're humbling yourself. Submit to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Many people are harassed because they won't submit to God. I mean, this is America. We don't like to submit to anyone. And yet the key to obtaining more grace, and I don't know about you, but I need it. I need it. And if it is grace that is working in and through me, I want more of it. And if the way that I obtain grace is through humility, then doggone it. Humble yourself. Or circumstances may very well arise that cause you to 
be broken and to cry out to God, forgive me, God, I've been prideful. I've been stubborn. Forgive me, God, I'm no different than the Israelites. I've been stiff-necked. Forgive me. Who are we to think that we're always right? And if we think that we're always right, why would we need God? Why would we need grace? We don't. We come to church because we're Christians and this is what we do. We go to church. I loved Corbin's message. Last Sunday, we listened in California. How powerful it was, how he was exhorting you. Man, you, you don't come here and treat this like it's a performance. Man, come in here prepared to, to enter in and to worship. It's not our, our job to make you worship. It's your choice to choose to worship. I love his statement. He said, you, you, you serve and how you worship, and you worship and how you serve. I, I just, I love that everything about the kingdom of God is obtained through humility. Everything, every bit of growth in your Christian walk is going to be obtained through humility. No wonder why scripture says that we are to put on humility. It's almost like a coat that you wear. So is praise. Isn't it amazing? Put on a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Could it be that even though you feel beaten down and you feel as if you're humble, I have seen people be very prideful in their and the things that they're going through. And I've done that. And I've done, well, man, if you did, we, we wouldn't be talking about it. God would be speaking to you. So we can approach God's grace. We can obtain God's grace. And we can receive even more of God's grace. I want to show you a scripture that is very, very, Important to me and foundational to me. Go to Ephesians chapter 3. And I've talked about how God called me and how I uh, was in the basement of the Ford Field House. I was working a couple jobs as I was going to. Grand Rapids, now community college, then it was junior college. And one of my jobs was to check IDs outside of the weight room there in the basement of the Ford Fieldhouse. And I had prayed on the way to work that morning. I think I had to be there at like 6 or 6.30. So I had a cup of coffee and I had my Bible. And on the way there, I just felt like I was in the stagnant, sticking place with God. Ever been there? Where it just, you, you, you don't seem to beginning anywhere. Um, isn't it amazing how we're always trying to get somewhere with God and, and more often than not, the reality is, is God's trying to get somewhere with you. And I just prayed a very simple prayer, but from my heart, as genuine as I ever prayed anything before, that God, I'm through fighting with you. And I knew that I was fighting God. It's no big secret when you're a believer that you have this epiphany that you've been wrestling with God and I've got news for you. You're going to lose. Um, you'll lose. You'll lose every time. And, but it's a good lose. With God, it's always a win-win. So I'm praying, God, I just surrender 100% of myself to you. I'm, I'm through fighting you. God, whatever you want to do with my life, I'd, anything's better than this, you know, kind of a prayer. I get to the Ford Field House. I, I'm, I'm just, it's a, it's a simple, you know, rectangular table and, uh, you know, a fold up in a, in a chair. I sit down. I put my 
coffee down, I put my Bible down, and boom, I have the only open vision that I can see before my eyes that I've ever had in my life in some 37 years of walking with Jesus. It's the only one I've ever had. And I saw myself laying hands on people and praying for them, and I hadn't seen a whole lot of that in our church, and it wasn't like that hadn't happened. Um, I just hadn't seen a lot of it. And I saw myself praying for people, and as clear as I've ever heard God, God brought me to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7, told me to go to Ephesians 3, 7. And you know, I was kind of leery of that because you have those moments where you think, you know, God's, you know, um, telling you to go to a verse and, and you get there and it's like the most craziest off the wall verse that you've ever had before. It's the lineage, you know, or, or whatever. I just, you know, oh, I missed it. This was different. God led me to Ephesians 3, 7, and it says in the New King James, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. And I knew in that moment that God was calling me into full-time ministry. That's all I knew. I'm single. I may have known who Lisa was at that point, but um, it, it would have been years before we even began dating. It would have been, it would be nine years before I was even in the ministry full-time from that point. And yet I knew that God was calling me. And I've discovered something. I've discovered that not only is salvation by grace, but my walk with God is by grace, and every calling is by grace. It's by grace. It's by grace. If God's grace was not an ongoing, working, and empowering of God, I, I would not be here. I would not be standing here if it wasn't an ongoing work. I would not be standing before you today. Grace is so powerful that it is not only working, but you can stand in it. And at some point in the ballgame, there needs to be a switch that gets flipped in every believer's life where they acknowledge not only that they have been saved by grace, but that God's grace is working in them. And that who they are today is not the person they were a week ago or a month ago or a year ago. You are different, and God is working in you by his grace. He's changing you. He's delivering you. He's setting you free. The struggles that you have today should be different than the struggles that you've had before if you're working with God. If you're working against him, then you're probably circling, and you're probably repeating, and you probably haven't humbled yourself, and you probably have gotten prideful. I don't think God's trying to keep himself from us at all. So go to Ephesians chapter 3. Look at verse 12. I want you to see we're going to, be, we're going to end this week in Ephesians 3, and we're going to pick it up next week in Ephesians 3. Look at Ephesians 3, 12. I'm going to read through. 16, and then I think we pick it up there next week. It says, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into his presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you, so you should feel honored. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth, 
I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Why would Paul pray for God to empower the Ephesians if it was all accomplished at Calvary and now it's just a matter of faith? Why would he do that? Is it a faith walk? Absolutely. But it is a walk. It's not a faith stance. It's not a faith moment. It's a faith walk. We walk by faith and not by sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. And, our, and in our faith walk, there are faith works that we are to do. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You should walk in them. It's what you should do. And I want you to see the language there in Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Created. Notice that it's using the very same language and motif of your very coming into existence. When you get saved, you are born all over again. You are created anew again. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. You are going to find, speaking of your salvation, the language of creation just as strong and as powerful in the New Testament as you will find your very coming into human existence. You are not the same person. You cannot live by the same rules. You can't live by the same dictates. When you become a Christian, it is a new ballgame. It is a new day. It is a new era. It is a new life for you. And there is work for you to do now that you are a Christian, now that you are a born-again person. Because you're not who you were. And before you came to know Christ, there is no way that you could even know what God had for you, let alone do it. But now that you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, there's work for you to do. And God prepared it long ago that you should walk in it. There's work for you to do. And I believe that there is a maturing, and as you go, you can handle the work that God has for you. Just like your human existence, the older you got, the more responsibility you could take on. You had to get to the point where you could feed yourself and clothe yourself, and I, I, I get it. But the language is much the same. It suggests a calling into existence by God, something from nothing. So here's where we get caught and here's where we get hung up. If when we become Christians, we are who we've never been before, we have been made something from, from nothing, just like when we were born into this world, in our mother's wombs, came into this world, we were something from nothing. Then our purposes for God are something that we've never known before, could never have fulfilled before, and we have to trust and we have to rely on the grace of God working in and through our lives in order to fulfill and accomplish them. There is just absolutely no way that it makes sense that you could try to figure out what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to do it from a fleshly standpoint, from a human standpoint, because 
the, 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 the life that you're now living wasn't birthed in any kind of human sense. It is spiritual. It is eternal. It is, it is as different as flesh is from spirit. And the only way you can walk in what God has for you is to know him and to cooperate with the work that he's doing in you. Do not fight the work that God's doing in you by his grace. Cooperate with the work that God's doing in you by his grace and believe that he's working in you. Believe that he's working in you. He's not abandoning you, he's working in you. Cooperate with it, humble yourself. Do whatever you gotta do to get to the point where you've got some clear marching orders from God. And it'll be a little bit at a time as you're able to handle it. He's not gonna dump you know, Zimbabwe in your heart and tell you to pack up the kids and the, and the, and the spouse and, and get on an airplane and sell all your belongings. And man, if that happens five, 10 years from now, awesome. He'll give you a little bit at a time. A little bit at a time. God is working in you, working in you. If he wasn't working in you, then there wouldn't be a throne to obtain more. There wouldn't be a way to humble ourselves and receive more. There wouldn't be those things mentioned in Scripture for you and I, our admonition, so that we would do that. So if you are lacking right now, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. If you're lacking right now, boldly approach his throne in a time of need to obtain. God's providing God's arm's not too short. He's not leaving you high and dry. Never has, never will. My pastor used to say, God is way too big for you to miss him if you're pursuing him. Way too big. You will not miss God. But work with him and not against him. Work with him and not against him. I'm just going to read those verses in Ephesians again. And I'm praying that they really go down deep in you. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please, don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you, so you should feel honored. When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Man, Paul prayed that. He prayed that. And you realize that the Bible only makes sense to people that are saved, that, that have been born again. It only makes sense to people. No other eyes can read and understand this. Can't grasp it unless you're saved. It makes no sense unless you're saved. And now that you are saved, these scriptures should be screaming at you. His grace is working in you. It's working in me. It's working in you. It's working in you. And maybe you're in this place between places. Rest assured, God never brings anyone out of anything without bringing them into something. He's always leading you out and leading you into. There might be a a preparatory time in between what he's pulled you out of and what he's bringing you into. I get it. God might be working in you right now so that you can handle what he's bringing you into. I get it. I'm so glad for the work that he did in me. I'm so glad for the pace that he's kept me on. Let's handle the end of the service this way, guys. Why don't we bring the the communion emblems up now.